The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Next week, we welcome Scott Smith as we begin our spring revival. And I want to encourage you to make plans right now to be part of every service. Next Sunday morning, we're going to pack it in and we're going to combine our services. So the 830 worship group is going to be in here with us. And uh, I believe that God's going to pack his house as we uh, welcome Scott. And many of our folks have heard him. Many of you remember when we had him, he was young and, and, uh, and now he's older and seasoned and has been working for the state Georgia Baptist uh, for a while and is now starting to preach a little more again. And we've got him and he'll arrive sometime on Saturday, Lord willing, if the Lord tarries. And we'll bring him, and uh, if you have not heard him, uh, you're in for some preaching. He's a big old lanky guy. He kind of leans over the pulpit, and uh, he's going to bring it. So I want to encourage you. This message is about packing your bags. Uh, my dad worked second shift growing up at McCall's or Dayton Press. Some of you might be familiar with that name, McCall Magazine. And uh, most of my school life, dad worked second shift, meaning that during the summer, my mom was a stay-at-home mom until I was in high school. I remember when she went to work, Marcia, uh, in high school, I about like, what do you mean you're going to work? Because uh, she was just there to take care of everything. But during the summer, she would fix our main meal would be at about one o'clock in the afternoon because dad worked second shift. He left about two. And I could still see it very vividly, my dad leaning over and, and tying up his mason work shoes and then grabbing his lunchbox. And I can always remember uh, mom packing his lunch. How many of you can remember those silver dome-lidded lunchboxes where you put the thermos in the top of it? Remember that? Renee used to pack me lunches at the post office and a lot of times they were 12-hour nights and I felt like when I was out of lunch, it was time to go home. Uh, but she always packed good stuff. You know, when you travel, you pack. Uh, the older I get in traveling, I realize that I've overpacked way too much in traveling. Tried to cut it down. At the end of this message, I'm gonna give you some things to pack for revival. And I hope it'll encourage you but we find the text this morning in an unlikely place for really maybe a revival message because we get to Matthew chapter 25 and we're going to be reading a very, very familiar parable. Now, 23 times, to my best count, in the book of Matthew itself, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus uses parables. Now, how many of us would agree this morning that the Lord Jesus is by far the greatest preacher, teacher there's ever been? Okay? Parables. If Jesus found that parables were effective, thank the Lord that it's included in Scripture because there's something to teach us. A parable is literally something that's cast alongside something else. So here's the picture. A parable, the story, would be something that's cast alongside truth. And the, and the meaning and the message of the parable was meant to get you to understand the message of truth, not just the, the catchy picture that Jesus is painting or that the weaver is weaving. 
23 times. Uh, jot this down. Uh, a common description of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's pretty simple. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And when you look at the Gospel of Matthew, let me read just a few of them. Parable of the lamp, Matthew chapter five, Sermon on the Mount. Parable of the speck in the log, you remember that one? Don't worry about the speck in your neighbor's eye when you've got big issues yourself. Parable of the two builders, the parable of the new cloth and old garment, new wineskin. Parable of the divided kingdom. And then when you get to chapter 13, Jesus is boom, 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 seven straight parables. Parable of the sower, parable of the wheat and the tare. Hey, hey, are you saved or are you lost? There's only two kinds of people in this room this morning. Those going to heaven and those that are not. And let me tell you something, if you die without Christ, you're not going to just hang out where all your friends hang out and, and just float for eternity. There's a real heaven and a real hell. Say, Brother Greg, don't tell me that. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you that. Amen? Parable of the mustard seed, parable of the leaven, parable of the hidden treasure, parable of the pearl of great price, parable of the dragnet, Matthew 15, parable of the heart of man, Matthew 18, parable of the lost sheep, Matthew 18, parable of the unforgiving servant, Matthew 20, parable of the labors in the vineyard, Matthew 21, parable of the two sons, uh, parable of the tenant farmers, Matthew 22, parable of the marriage feast, Matthew 24, parable of the budding fig tree, Matthew 24, 45 through 51, parable of the wicked servant, and then you get to 25, and there's the parable of the 10 virgins, and then it closes with what we call and what is known the parable of the 10, of the talents, of the talents. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 14. If you're with me, say amen. For the kingdom of heaven, circle the word for. One commentator says the word for here means that it's expanding thought that's already been shared. If we go back to the uh, parable of the foolish virgins, the story there is about being ready. So what does that have to say in this familiar parable this morning? For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. He went on a journey. The master calls his servants together, and he's the one who determines who gets what. He's the one who distributes what this story's all about. The Bible says he gives them talents. This is a large unit of currency. Uh, how much exactly is it? Uh, he, a person who had one talent would be considered wealthy. So we're talking about a master who has everything. And I wanna remind you this morning, when you're searching in the world in which we live, there is one who has everything. There's one who has what you need. 
You know, when I think about revival, I think about God using a different voice. You know, he's not gonna use Brother Greg's voice, a different voice who can bring a fresh word. And, and may I share, you, uh, share this with you? Scott and I have not talked about what passages of Scripture he's gonna preach. Heck, for all I know, next Sunday he might preach on the, the talents. I don't know. We haven't talked about what's going on in the life of the church. He's not asking me, Brother Greg, you have any problem with any people? You know, sometimes evangelists can come in and just hammer the person, you know, because preachers certainly wouldn't do that. No, that don't happen, does it? Okay. Somebody say amen. Lighten it up a little bit in here, okay? But I know one thing, God speaks your language. Why? Because he knows you better than anybody. And listen to this, he loves you more than anybody. And you might be here today and Maybe life has just made you a little crusty, a little hardened. Maybe you're here today, and I'm telling you, we've got some church family who have been through the fire. We've got some church family going through the fire right now. But I'm telling you, God knows what we need, does he not? Uh, you ever find yourself just crying for no reason? Now, you say, Brother Greg, are you battling depression? Are you struggling? No, I was sitting in a chair the other day and just started crying thanking God for how good he's been to me in my life. God knows what you need. And it's interesting that in giving these talents, he gives them different amounts based on their ability. So God knows them. God knows them. And to tell you the truth, I don't think the fellow who gets one, I don't think God's sliding him, but God knows him. He knows him. And it's interesting, uh, when you think about the value that they get, I mean, they're carrying some, some worth. The master has, has, has everything according to the world standards. So for the first, he gives five, the second, two, and the third one. Um, anybody here have a good old Schofield reference Bible? I, lo I love that version. Uh, I was gifted a King James Schof Schofield Bible from the widow of a man named Jim Castle. It was brand new, has his name on the cover. I used to visit with Jim Castle on visitation, and, and he used to love to share the gospel. Well, in that, that Schofield that Jim, uh, Carlene let me have, it says in the mid-1900s, in the Schofield notes, it suggested that a silver talent could easily be maybe $2,000, a gold talent could be possibly $30,000. So that was back then. Okay. To each man according to his ability. Ability. It's where we get the word dunamis. Uh, it's where the word dynamite comes from, power. To each man according to his strength. God knows your strengths and God knows your weaknesses. And here's what we have to be careful of when it comes to strengths. Oftentimes, our strengths are the very thing the devil can use to cause us to fall. You might be here this morning, listen to me, men, and say, I don't have a problem with pornography I never have. Be very careful. You might be here today and say, I've never had a problem with any kind of alcohol, and I never have. Be very careful. I've never been dependent on any kind of drug. Be very, very careful. Why? Because sometimes when we think we won't, the devil knows we can trip. Okay? Be on guard. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? The devil's a roaring lion. 
We're no match for the devil in the flesh. But thanks be to God, there's the Spirit of God who lives in you, believer, that is more than wonderful, amen? More than able, more than powerful for the glory of God. You see, the master must have known the potential. He must have known the potential. He didn't give any of them any more than they could handle. He did it based on their ability. So the master departs quickly, and now we begin to see the parable unfold. Verse 15, to one he gives five, to another two, another one, according to their ability, and immediately he goes on a journey. Then he who received the five talents went and traded them and made another five. And likewise, he who received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. I want you to circle after a long time. A day of reckoning is coming. Jesus is coming. Now, the Bible says uh, that they immediately do some things with what they've, they've been given. Immediately, the one with five and the one with two, they double what they've been given. And then there's the one who's been given one. And perhaps his motives were good. Maybe back in the day, that was a good thing to do to protect one's wealth. But it sure does seem like in this parable, something is expected. Something is expected. Let me tell you something, folks. Even though this master delayed his coming, I wanna remind all of us sitting here this morning that Jesus is coming that Jesus is coming. One day we will stand before God and give an account of what God has done in our lives and opportunities we've been given uh, through him and for him and what we've done with those opportunities. I think sometimes we think that the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat judgment, I think we feel like that we're gonna be Christians sitting in a a comfortable chair looking at a nice little DVD of our life and, and then get up and rewards will be passed out. I believe that God will wipe away all tears as positionally placed after the judgment seat of the believer. I believe there'll be plenty of tears at the judgment seat. As we look at wasted opportunity, as we look at, at, at times we could have shared, looked at times maybe we didn't say I'm sorry, looked at, look at mistakes we've made that have been covered by the blood of Jesus, but will be judged. Now in this story this morning, uh, we're reminded that we've all will appear, 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which is built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Thank God for his saving grace. But I'm telling you, every now and then, folks, I hear this, and maybe you do too. Oh, you Baptists, uh, walk down the aisle, shake the preacher's hand and get saved. Is that your really, is that your understanding of salvation? Oh, you Baptist, once saved, always saved, do whatever you want, still go to heaven when you die. Is that your understanding of salvation? 
The Bible you and I have in our hand this morning says that when we come to Christ, we're saved by grace through faith, but it involves repentance. Repentance is when your life is changed. And when your life is changed, then there's gonna be fruit that glorifies God. Now, I'm not saying we don't mess up. I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying we haven't messed up this week. I'm not saying we may have messed up today, this morning. What I am saying is, you're saved by the grace of God, and when you're saved by the grace of God, he calls you to live for him. Kevin and Sue shared this morning, uh, Samaritan's Purse, they, they were going to Little Rock, and they were rerouted to somewhere in western Indiana. And they were there, and they got back, and and uh, they shared, a, Kevin shared a, a, just a great testimony this morning about uh, a house that was completely destroyed. The house was gone. And all that was standing was a table, and on the table was Mamaw's Bible. And the family said, did you put Mamaw's Bible on that table? And they all started saying, no, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Let me tell you something, this truth will stand this truth will stand, and God's promise that he will take you to heaven when you place your faith in him, listen to me, that gives me great hope that I don't have to wonder how I'm gonna die one day. I don't have to worry about how that's gonna happen. I'm just gonna live for the Lord until it happens. And, and by the way, we're closer to the return of Christ than we've ever been. So Lord Jesus, come quickly, man, come on. Amen, come on. Three things we see about this picture of the talents, okay? And I believe there are three things that we need to be reminded of when we think about being used for the Lord. Three things, here's the first one, your time. Give your time to the Lord. Now, we're asking you to be part of revival. I, I wanna share a truth with you. I don't, I don't know how it is down in um, Kentucky or uh, Missouri, Harvey, or... Arkansas or Iowa, Bob, I don't know how it is where you serve. Very few churches have revivals here anymore. We've almost gotten to the point where we think we don't need anything. I wanna tell you what Wednesday night prayer group's praying for, for the Holy Spirit of God to shake us up. For the Holy Spirit of God to do spiritual surgery on our church. Sounds painful. Most of the time, surgery is painful. There's a healing process that has to take place. We're asking you to give the Lord your time. Oh, I don't know. Now, I, I recognize farming and stuff like that, but I don't know, Brother Greg. Uh, three nights, five services? Oh, that's a lot to ask. Seven o'clock every night, late, late nights? That's exactly what I'm asking. I'm asking you to give God your time. I mean, what is it in your life that you need most? If you're here and you're not a Christian, listen to me, you need Jesus most of all. If you're here today and you are a Christian, what is it in your life, what's in my life that I need most? I'm telling you, God will speak to us if we're willing to give him our time. We, we open our Bible, read it as fast as we can. I'm not sure I can commit to revival. Well, I sure do witness a lot of families who commit to Little League and some kind of sports and just give it all they've got. And believe me, folks, I know it is good or better than any of you right now with four of them playing Little League. 
Renee and I don't know, know which end's sticking up, where we're going next. But all I do know is the papaw, you gotta divide the time. Anybody wanna say amen? Equal opportunity for all grandkids, amen? Even though I'd much rather see a 13U Little League game than a T-ball game, but that's a different story, okay? Time. Secondly, give him your talent. Now, in this passage, this talent represents finance. I'm not talking about that. I think that falls into the next one, treasure. But I'm talking about what God gives you. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians, God gifts every believer with something. You can't say, I can't do anything. You can't, you can't be the elf in the, the Rudolph Christmas movie and I'm nothing but a misfit. I'm telling you, God can use you. But you've gotta be willing to let him have what you have. You think God could use somebody that says, Lord, here it is. It ain't much, but it's yours. Amen? Are you with me? Time, talent, treasure. Look at verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. After a long time, after a delay, Oftentimes, we think that God's not at work because he's not acting. I'm telling you, sometimes God moves in the waiting rooms of life. Now, for those lost without Christ, make sure you understand something. I've, I've mentioned that a believer's gonna be judged for their works. Let me remind you this morning that if you die without Christ, you're gonna stand before Christ on what's called the great throne, great white throne judgment. You see, a believer is not judged based on heaven. That's already been settled at the cross. It's what you do since you've given your life to Christ. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, you're gonna stand before God as your judge. You say, Brother Greg, I'll just give my life to Christ when, I, when it's all said and done or when I die, or, or when the tribulation starts, I'll realize what's happened, and, and that's when I'll get in. Not so fast. The Bible says that the Antichrist, even in the tribulation, there'll be such deception that those who thought they were believers aren't. Now, three men, one's given five talents, one's given two, they do the exact same thing, and they hear the exact same response. Verse 20. He who received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also said uh, to the one who received two, and he said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Pretty good start. And then we get to the one who's given one. Verse 24, he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Right off the bat, we see the one who's given one talent shift everything on what he thinks to be the, the motive of the master. I knew you to be a hard man. 
reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. The picture here is shrinking fear. Uh, you're, so, you're so afraid you don't do anything. Some people don't give their life to Christ publicly because of fear. You, you make this decision. Well, preacher, you don't have to come forward to be saved. That's exactly right. You don't. But here's my question. Why would you be ashamed of what supposedly is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you? Amen? Oh, when I, when I gave my life to Christ, uh, the church I came from, uh, and as, as architecture was back in the 60s and 70s, like two rows of pews, long aisle. And I sat back over here, left center, close to the back. That's where the youth used to sit and goof off, over here. But I made up my mind on Tuesday, Lord, I'm not sure if I'm saved, but I want to be. I'm, I'm going tonight. I, I remember. I made my decision before the preacher preached. I'm, I'm coming tonight. And they, and they, sang, they started singing, Marsha, the, the invitation. And boy, I started feeling, oh, maybe not tonight. Maybe not tonight. And then they sang a second verse. And the preacher said, we're gonna sing another verse and this might be for you who's holding on to the pew. And I'm telling you, listen to me, what I thought would be hard became easy once I made the first step of faith. So what I did, I came forward, told the pastor who was standing, the evangelist was preaching, told him why I was coming, and I got on my knees with the associate pastor, Cody, right there on the front row, and I asked Christ to come into my heart. Some people give their life to Jesus in their seat. Say, I'll just be a CIA Christian. Nobody needs to really know, but I'm saved. I can raise my hand when Brother Greg asks that question. If you know for sure you're going to heaven, raise your hand. I can, I can fit that bill. I know that. But I'm telling you, listen to me, folks. The Christian life is more than hiding in a pew. It's take, it, the Christian life is more than taking your one talent and burying it. It's saying, okay, God, here it is. It ain't much, but I'm gonna let you have it. I'm gonna let you have it. He hid it in a hole. One commentator said, perhaps he was thinking more of himself than the master. If I hide it in a hole and the master doesn't come back, I know where to find it. You know what that sounds like to me? A prisoner. A prisoner. But yet, we recognize God is more concerned for us as believers that when he gives us something, that we use it for his glory. You might be here today and you battle physical stuff, tough. Let me tell you something. You're a hero to everybody else. You are. Praise the Lord, Dave was able to be back in the first service, Dave Solander. I said, Dave, you're a hero, man. You're a warrior. You seen your adults that are battling? Man, you're warriors. You encourage everybody else. Those of you that are single, maybe you lost your spouse, or perhaps you've been divorced, thank God that you recognize there's a God who can carry you through the tough times of life. I've always said if I ever got a tattoo, God is greater than my highest mountain and lowest valley. 
Now, you can guess whether or not you think I have that tattoo. But I don't. But if I did, I would. Here's what he wants us to live with, a kingdom mindset. The one who's given five and the one who's given two, they're investing it in so much more. The one who's given one and buries it in a hole is concerned about like just the now. Just the now. Uh, recently, I sent a preacher friends a quote, said something like this. What I'm afraid of is standing before God, Fred, and him saying, who told you to do that? Who told you to do that? So take what God gives us and use it for his glory. We take our eyes off ourselves. We, we turn them upon Jesus. Um, invitation song, first service, was a song that Marcia and Jerry Price did at Albert's funeral. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of earth shall grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. So revival. What can we pack for revival? You ready? I'm gonna give you five things. First of all, yourself. Yourself. Be part of it. Make a decision. I'm gonna be praying about it this week, Brother Greg. I'm gonna be part of it. I'm not gonna read about revival on social media. I'm not gonna read about what God does last night, tomorrow in the, in the headlines of somebody's post. I'm going to be part of it. Make plans to not miss a service. Pack it. Number two, bring somebody with you. People come when they're personally invited. People come when they're personally invited. Um, I know this is big graduation time, and some people uh, oftentimes will say, uh, how can we best invite people to junior's graduation party? The same way we did it when our kids were there. You send out invitations. You personally invite somebody. Are you with me? Personal invitation is you looking at somebody and saying, I'd love for you to be my guest next week. We're starting revival. Uh, we're gonna be seven o'clock, uh, Sunday through Wednesday, seven o'clock. Would you be my guest? People will respond to personal invitation. Uh, here's another thing to pack. You ready? Hold it up. Pack the word of God. Bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. I know there's some high-tech folks in here like Anita Super that use, um, use her phone as her Bible. I can see her face light up. But I'm telling you, the word of God is where the power is, amen, through the Holy Spirit. Preachers don't have to search and figure out the latest topics. I need to preach on this. We need to preach the word of God. We need to preach the word of God. A prayed up spirit of expectancy. Come prayed up. Oh, I like this one. Hey, what can I pack? Feet that are ready to respond, knees that are ready to bend. My prayer is that this altar would be full. Heart's getting right. God moving in a powerful way. And then lastly, a heart ready to obey and being a good steward. Asking God to help. That's what I'm gonna pack. I'm gonna pack and, and I'm gonna trust and I'm gonna pray. 5.30 on Wednesday nights, we call it the sweet hour of prayer. We invite any of you to come. And listen to me, folks. 
we're trying to get away from this. There's nothing wrong with praying for people. But I'm talking sometimes we come together in prayer, we pray more about keeping people out of heaven than we do folks that don't know Jesus. So we're praying for revival. And I don't know, that's gonna be spiritual surgery on me. You say, Brother Greg, where do we begin? We stand up, we draw a circle around us and say, Lord, Holy Spirit of God, would you send power from heaven? Would you send revival? Can you start in this circle? And God will move, God will move. I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.